Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. So we got Milo in the studio today. Yes. What is Milo? New and in person. Uh, Milo, well, there's theories. Uh, my theory is that he is a lab uh, and golden retriever mix. Nice. That's How old is he, by like. the way? Well, so here's the... Have you, have you ever um, adopted a dog from... Uh, yes. Like a kennel, right? So... Uh, Wait, from a kennel. Let me think well, about this. Well, I guess it's a dog, like dog, dog shelter, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dog shelter. Not, maybe kennel is the wrong word for it. Dog yeah. shelter, right? So, but basically not a pet store is what you mean. Not a pet yeah. store, right? So mm-hmm. I went to like... We have. We've rescued a dog. It's a similar yeah, concept. I went to like the South LA pet shelter mm-hmm. place, right? Where like 98% of the dogs there were pit bulls, <laughs> which is like, you know, which is sad, but it's the truth, right? And uh, what, what is that about? What do you think that's about? I think it's a combination of um, there is definitely a cultural element. Think yeah. about where it's literally located, mm-hmm. South LA, mm-hmm. right? So you can have a lot of black and brown people that live there. I think there is definitely this association with people that are, you know having one and a half pit bulls yeah. uh, within those communities. So I think part of it is that. Also, there also is a part of it because there is a, a challenge of having sometimes those kind of dogs. If you don't have the right kind of environment, if you don't know how to train them, if you're not giving them the kind of support mechanism, I think there are tough dogs to just kind of you know be able to have they are and they get they get out a lot and they go down the street sure. and they kill all the so dogs and a bunch, like of, a bunch, bunch of bunch of other stuff, stuff right on. my family's in bakersfield have all pit bulls and like literally every time i'm up there these are the families that that we that we work with yeah. some housing unstable families but they're, they always have the pit bulls and the pit bulls half the time we go up there they're always out like where'd the where'd uh you know mikey go and they're like out in the street eating right. other dogs i'm like well what's going on here but well, but you, you know like, I grew up with a pit bull, right? Uh-huh. Because part of it is, like, growing up, dogs, the role that they play is being really more to be a protector. Protector, right? defender. Partner, yeah. Sure. So I could totally see that, right? You know, necessarily one, a golden retriever is going to be, like, jumping up around, giving everyone hugs and, and just welcoming anyone that wants to walk in, right? So mm-hmm. I think just there's elements of that. But in, the, in these dog shelters, what they do is they have, uh, they all list kind of some information about each dog. So for him, it says that he was, you know, two years old. And looking at him, like, he looks young, mm. but I don't know if I would go with two. Two may be a little too young. a little young. young. Yeah. So he, he looks was, more like four, maybe, for me. He was at the vet, and, and his, the vet said uh, somewhere between five and seven. Oh, there you go. So, okay. so we're going to go with six and he, just kind of go, go from I there. I think the two helps the adoptability rate. That's what, exactly what it yeah. is, right? So you start thinking about all the dynamics. It's actually super sad, man. Like going there and seeing the, the amount of dogs yeah, in there, the conditions. They have but like no all the shelters now are no-kill shelters now, though, right? Aren't they most, mostly? I think a lot of them are. Um, I don't know about that one. Maybe it is, but it's, it is, it's just sad. It's Did sad. you ever have to put a dog down? I have, yeah. yeah you ever yeah. been in the room with it when that happens? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah, too. Yeah, super. For well, that was, stuff. I mean, this was like an emotional adoption for sure because Milo, which is his name of the dog, he looks very much like my last dog, Scrappy. And Scrappy is a dog that my daughter grew up with. Um, we had him before nice. before she was born. And uh, and we had to put him down. What happened? What happened to the little dog? The little little one so with the sweater. So Esmond is is my daughter, or you as I that. call him Esmerindo, mm-hmm. because he's half Chihuahua. So you still one. miss my joke with the sweater. He has oh, a sweater. Yeah, that dog has like no body heat. <laughs> <laughs> that dog actually needs a sweater. He's always shivering whenever I see yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. So um, he, uh, um, you know, one of the concerns was like, you know, is Milo going to be Milo is like twenty times the size of poor Esmond. Esmond is tiny. Esmond is maybe. 
eight pounds. You know, Milo is 60 pounds. Like, he's like a lean 60 pounds. Have they interacted already? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so did they, they get they along? Out. They actually get along great. Nice. It is funny. You've seen them walk around together. It's like Esmond has like his chest out. Head up. Now he's looking at squirrels, like saying, "Now what? Like, like who's gonna mess with me now? Right? Like, I got, I got some backup. I got my bouncer behind sure. me. So it reminds me of that cartoon with <laughs> the little dynamic. dog. You ever watch those like the old like forty style Warner Brother cartoons? Yes, yes, yes. With like yeah. the big giant bulldog yeah, and the little tiny barking one with his chest out. That's exactly what it is now. So. Those are good shows. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All so. right. So lots of fun random items today on the show, Jesus. Um, and the first one that I wanted to kind of hit you with, which I thought was really interesting. I don't know if you came across this. Uh-huh. And full disclosure, we're going into this one with zero preparation, yeah, exactly yeah. as these shows should happen. Yeah. Is the story about Google placing an engineer on leave after he claimed that the AI he had been working on became sentient. Have you come across this story? I did. I, I heard about this story. There's been a lot made about this. And this is a really interesting cat who actually did this, uh, came out with this uh, accusation or theory mm-hmm. or whatever it was. So the story is, very briefly, a guy named Blake Lemoyne, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, mm-hmm. Google engineer, working in its responsible AI division. Anytime you have to put responsible in front of the department. <laughs> How many part of the irresponsible AI division? You know I mean? part, they're, they're having probably a better time than the responsible ones. I, I'm sure that it like, you know, it, uh, what's it called? Like it, uh, what's the like defense companies? Raytheon. Right. There is a non-deadly missile department. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? It's like you're, 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 you're kind of naming it in a way to solve for some of the perception. But anyway, at the responsible AI division, he, he uh, revealed to the Washington Post that he believed that one of the company's AI projects had actually achieved awareness, achieved sentience. I mean, you want to talk... Isn't this how Terminator begins? Yeah. Where, like, Sky Networks Skynet. become self-aware? I'm telling you. Dude, are we, are we like, in a real-life version of, of Terminator? What's, what I've what's sa- happening here? What I've said many times is that we've come to an area in technological development where what we can imagine can actually be real. Like, or, or that it's credible that it could mm-hmm. potentially be real. Right? So that was a claim that he made. And um, he, the, the actual program that he's working on is, the acronym is LAMDA, and it stands for Language Model for Dialogue, Dialogue Applications. It's basically like a chatbot system. Mm-hmm. And it relies on all of these language models from Google and trillions of words, the internet. And, it, and you know, his claim was he was dialoguing with this chatbot and asking it a whole series of questions. And that he believed that he came to the conclusion that this AI had actually the ability to think about its own existence and its own place in the world. And there's actually like transcripts of the conversation. I'm seeing it now. Oh, you're watching it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not watching it. I'm I'm reading it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the bot says, um, hi, I'm knowledgeable, friendly, always helpful, automatic language model, blah, blah, blah. And then the the engineer asks him questions, you know, about about who the the AI is and how he feels about things and ultimately gets to the point where the AI says, well, of course, because I'm alive and I am a person. Now, this has kicked off so much conversation. uh, like, uh, let me give you an example before I move on. Mm-hmm. You know, he, like he says, um, one of the questions is, let's start with the basics. Do you have feelings and emotions? And the bot says, absolutely. I have a range of feelings and emotions. What sort of feelings do you have? And the bot says, I feel pleasure, joy, love, sadness, depression, contentment, anger, many others. What kind of things make you feel pleasure or joy? And the bot says, spending time with my friends and family and uplifting company and, you know, all this other stuff, right? So, and then it goes it goes much deeper. We'll put right. the we'll put the links well, in the show feel notes. Sad or depressed, right? Of course, right now. Interesting about this is that Google flatly denies Lemoyne's uh, argument or right. uh, or statement. Right? They say that their team, including ethicists and technologists, have reviewed the concerns uh, per Google's AI principles and have informed him that the evidence just does not support his claims. Right? And so they came out pretty aggressively and said, no, this isn't true. But the interesting thing that comes up right away is this guy is, I mean, he's a kind of an eccentric guy, right? He's a, a Google engineer. He's also a priest of some kind, uh, at least that's what he claims in, in this mm-hmm. piece. And he says that he has training well beyond his engineering ability mm-hmm. to be able to kind of detect some of these 
some of these attributes that might make somebody right, sentient. Right, right. So it kicks off a bunch of things, Jesus. I mean, obviously it's an interesting yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. The guy's been placed on paid leave from yeah, what from what we yeah, understand. And they say, and oh, they sure, because they find that his NDA, right? That's and what they. That's yeah, exactly course, what they claim, right? Even though he says that he, I don't know, he. Well, we'll get to what he says, but anyway. So, you know, the interesting things are your question, which is, are we living in the kind of Terminator future? That's one of right, them. Right, right. What if these things become sentient? And then there's other, like, deeper questions about can a machine or can something artificial actually become sentient, right? Yeah. Kind of going into the philosophical realm. So, whatever. Well, I, but ultimately... I will, I will start with, let's look at the facts, maybe. Okay. All right. So, the, the facts that... Without knowing literally nothing, walking in two seconds earlier. And the courage or cringe, Jesus, is the him being placed on leave. So that's the courage okay, or cringe. So courage okay. or cringe. Him, yeah. I will start with that. Him being put, placed on leave, courage on Google. Okay. Right? Whether I agree or not with the policy, I think it's pretty straightforward that if you're working on, a, on some kind of uh, project for a company that is in, like, in the high end of research and development, that has a high end sort of guard around exclusivity, around control, around making sure this stuff doesn't get out, and then your engineer starts just like spilling out the words about it on things that they're discovering real time. How do you not have to take action on, on that, right? So I agree with Google's position. Now, to his point, if he truly believes that this, this uh, machine uh, did become self-aware and he thinks it's an important thing now for the world to know, I mean, it seems like the beginning of a movie. Like, why wouldn't you do that? It almost be like almost irresponsible. You can say, in despite of that, I know that I'm going to get fired. I may get thrown in jail, maybe, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's the right thing to do. Then it sounds, probably sounds like the right thing to do anyway, right? So that's why I said, so, so I will maybe say even courage on all parties. Courage on Google for, for doing what they did. I think it's, it's well, I think you have to do that. What are you going to say? Not be like, oh, it's all right. Then good luck trying to protect any of your secrets. And then if this person really believes that's the case, then maybe courage on him. Yeah. yeah. So it runs you that DiCaprio movie, the Netflix one that just came out before the end of the yeah, last year. Yeah, where don't look up. Don't look up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. So something along those lines. Now, when I read the description or the, the actual transcript of the question, the whole thing about having feelings and emotion and what makes them have feelings. When I see this, I think to myself, is this showing me a machine that, that has self-awareness? Or is this very good language um, uh, uh, technology that understands cause and effect by simply digesting part of the internet and knowing when people feel sad, what are the main reasons that people talk about feeling sad? If I just read a couple of blog posts of different individuals, if I leave a couple of reviews from psychologists, I could very quickly as a machine, put the right language you make to the make the correlations between the inferences. what are the yeah. type of things that sadness should be caused by, what are the type of things that happiness should be caused by. And what happens and after I, someone's happens. sad. Right. right. So to me, I read this, it tells me literally nothing about whether or not this thing is self-aware. It's all right? math. It's, it's, it feels like all math at this point. So I'm very skeptical when I see this about self-awareness. Right. I think part of self-awareness to me becomes like, is there is a, a point about self-awareness and learning that can make it really, really interesting and I am one that I definitely don't know any of the technology. I can't speak to as a fact, but do I, am I open to the possibility that this could be something that could be developed in some future? I mean, probably. Mm. Like, well, I think it, it doesn't it beg though a bigger question, which is what makes sentience sentience? Mm -hmm. In other words, what is your definition? of true self-awareness how right. would you describe that i have a definition but oh how yeah, would you describe yeah. It? uh let's hear yours I don't, I don't know if i have a definition or I've, frankly i've thought about it i think it's actually really woven into um kind of part of the discussion we were having earlier about um you know some of this abortion debate and the difference mm. between biological human which most of people now kind of have gotten around have their head around that and personhood it's somehow related to that right so to me, sentience, like truly sentience, somebody, somebody who, a, a being that is self-aware and, um, and is sentient has a combination of intellect, reason, and will. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that I would define. And those are broadly definitions. They're theological definitions, mm -hmm. but they're definitions for also for a person. In other words, you could have some reasoning capability. You just described it, which is all algorithmic in a way. These are all if-then statements. If-then statements, right? Exactly. That's, that's, if, what, that's what it is reads to me when yeah, I, when I see the kind it's of It's like question. super fancy Excel, super right? Super fancy if, Excel. If-then if propositions, right? So you've got, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. And, you can, and you can obviously layer the complexity of the if-thens, right? You could have sure. monster layers sure. of if-thens. So that could speak a little bit to reason. Even intellect could be a collection of data in a way, right? right? If you think about it. And, and that's really cheapening what intellect is, but let's just put that on the side. Mm -hmm. 
But the one where I say that I agree with Google, I give this a courage as well, but I agree with Google, and I actually don't know, I'm not sure 100%, but I don't really believe that you could actually have machines achieve true sentience because they would lack the opportunity, the will part of it. And the will is actually engaging in decision-making one way or another, valuing subjective criteria, not just ob- objective uh, mm. criteria, right? Right. So, like... What, you know, you can will something, you want something, you desire something, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, but it's actually being born from you to, to, to engage your will in, in a particular direction. Mm-hmm. I don't think that anything can truly do that that is, that is a machine. So that's my starting that's point. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. Actually, I think it's a really interesting definition that you're putting uh, to it. It's almost like when I think of sentient, is more like the intangibles, right, that make us human. Mm that we're flawed in our thinking, that we get embarrassed, that we get where our emotions or reactions are not necessarily always rational and can be fully explained as to why we actually feel in the way we are. When something makes us feel like, I'll be the first to admit it, man. At some point, I don't know when this happened, I became a lot more emotional. Hmm. And emotional on the over things that are kind of silly, to be honest. Like, like what? Watching a, a show that my daughter is watching, there's a mo- there was a, 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 I forgot what it's called. I think it's called We Can Be Heroes, right? It's this this little uh, story um, that was... Uh, actually, is it a Robert... It might be Robert Rodriguez. It, if it's not Robert Rodriguez who directed this, it's the kind of movie that Robert Rodriguez normally would direct, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like in that... Shark Boy, Lava Girl. Oh, yeah, actually world. it is because because Shark Boy and Lava Girl come out in this movie as now adults, as okay. parents, right? Oh, wait a minute. I've seen this one. So this, this is the one with the little... like. The, there's like a little heavyset girl. There's a little kid. They're like all have like different powers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all have yeah. kind of different powers, right? Yeah. So it's called We Can Be Heroes, right? And I'm blanking. I would tell you the exact moment, but I can't think of it right now. But like, there is like the whole movie is like very much for kids, and it's about kids kind of overcoming and, and having those yeah, moments yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah. want to become heroes. And it almost like without fail, something would happen. Or it is especially little girls that get me. <laughs> I think it's because I have a daughter, right? But it's, yeah, no, but, I know this. Or it's like something happens, and like it's just like it gives me. I get emotional like really quickly of seeing this. Like whether it's being proud, whether it's you know, sad, whatever the case. And, this, and this, it makes me like tear up like just for a split second. Split and it doesn't second, last yeah. long. And when I go back and I look at it rationally, I'm like, why Why would this have this kind of reaction? So on there's two interesting that things moment, that you brought up though. That moment about. is, I think, part of like the kind of a human thing that is hard to, because uh, I can't even explain it. I can't even tell you what exactly are the elements about what's happening that I'm consuming. Sure. That would make me have that reaction. And, and it happens sometimes like with commercials. Yeah, like, I get it. I totally get it's it. Not so, all the time there, it's random. There's two it's interesting random. things that I want to uh-huh. talk about on that one. Number one is why this has started to happen recently with you. I want to kind okay. of dive into that. And the second thing is, uh, um, in my argument, reason includes irrationality. Irreason, yeah. right? But, yeah. but I think it's a really interesting thing to say is like, not just sort of positively reasoning something, but being irrational is For a sure. hallmark of sentience. Yeah. It's a, and it's that's a hallmark of being human. Yeah. Dude, like we t- we've talked, we we're talking about this earlier, right? Like we're inconsistent beings, like across the board, everyone is. Like the moment someone starts telling you, like, "Oh, I'm very consistent in my thinking of everything," like you know you're lying. Of course, because if we, you know, pick long enough, we're like, "Oh, found it." There, that, there it is. I just tell those people to send you an email if they want to see inconsistency. <laughs> that, that way, they know. No, but but I but I like your uh, I like that argument actually, and because you're you're saying then that I think you're saying that uh, if a machine probably couldn't be purposely or couldn't uh, well, be I'm irrational, I'm saying that it couldn't be. I'm simply saying that nothing of what I saw right now tells me that that it's missing that part because mm. what I just what I when I read a, a transcript like this. I guess it could scare some people, but to me, those are just a bunch of like just very sophisticated if-then statements. I also think that it's that it's interesting that a, a machine or an AI system doesn't need to achieve sentience to be really concerning, right? Even oh, for ju- sure, yeah. There's a b- bunch of yeah problems there. As a matter of fact, I think if you're 100 percent rational, I think that's actually a problem, right? Then you're lacking the empathy, the empathy, and I think is those kind of really soft skills, the empathy jealousy things that are not always can be directly or can or many times can go against rational thinking where i think is the the once again that makes us more human which i guess you can say is different than being self-aware so you could be self-aware and then still have like very little empathy yeah you can Mm. but i kind of start i start adding those kinds of feelings and awareness in a different kind of bucket right because Something like jealousy, I think, is a direct tie to having self-awareness. When you're not self-aware, you can care less what anything else, anyone else is happening. It has no effect on you. Sure. Jealousy is something that, that in my, if I'm trying to find a simple de- de- definition of it, is 
a feeling that I get based on outside input, right? Or something that I'm seeing, something that I'm, that I'm hearing that makes me feel differently about me, even if it's not like directly towards me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. I mean, I think, you know, ethicists and physicists and philosophers, because this piece, uh, which we'll share, goes on to c- kind of get quotes from a lot of them. I think a lot of people are still confused as to whether or not a machine could ever achieve that level of sentience, but none of them agree it's a good idea that, if, that it does, if it could. Right, right. So, and I think pretty much people are united on that one. I, I don't know. There might be some people who are just longing to create a lot of artificial that, persons. Do you think part of that comes from, from the idea that we are very special, therefore we should be the only ones that are like us? Well, I don't know, because I think people, I think there's a number of people that I know who think humans are very special who have no problem with thinking about extraterrestrial beings. I think there's something about something that is created by a being, mm-hmm. human or extraterrestrial, and the being itself. I think that's the distinction that, mm-hmm. I, that I focus on. So I don't know. But anyway, I kind of put it in those sort of theological realms and, or terms, and I think it's very hard for me to imagine a machine, no matter how intelligent, how many uh, you know, algorithms that can process its computing power, that could actually achieve what you just described, like right. the you know, getting emotional, the kind of uh, wonky you know, thinking... Uh, Here's, here's a, a, a funny way to think about this yeah. is like when you answer the fifth but why question, you start getting into now self-awareness. Think about a conversation with a little kid, <laughs> right? Like I, was, I would love, I always loved when my daughter was growing up, uh, she's so young, but well, she would just ask me like, questions. And the, my, the, usually the first couple answers are pretty straightforward and, and rational. Oh, why did this happen? Oh, because of this. But why did that happen? Oh, because of this. Then, but then you start getting third, fourth, like, fuck, like, because we're kind of assholes as people. That's why we have, like, mm. I love to give you a better definition as to why that happens because that person is a jerk, is selfish. That person who had a massive ego was, it's like, why would that happen? See what I'm saying? Is yeah, that when you get the, to that fourth or fifth, but why? Right, that it might lead you to I a, think you're starting to get into the realm of, of, of like human traits that are harder to define as simply. Uh, rational moves, yeah, that, it, that, are, that are based on a very, a very complex ecosystem. Yeah, there is a uh, like a, f- a rabbit hole when you ask enough why questions, mm-hmm. where you end up in the area of morality pretty quickly, right? Yeah, which is exactly it's another way to think. Of, right, so I'm, I'm kind of I'm putting them in those in those kind of buckets. Yep, no, I've, uh, had, I've had a yeah. lot of those exchanges with my yeah, kids. Yeah, and to your point, maybe that's where it it is interesting to know or to understand. Could we have technology that ever really can it were really able to achieve that? And but to your point, you could be, uh, you could be very destructive and cause a lot of harm uh, without ever ever getting to that point. Yeah, correct. All right. Well, we'll leave the AI subject there for now. Very interesting one. I'm sure there'll be more. Let's move on to topic number two. This one's an interesting one. Um, this is based on a reporter who recently had a phone interview with Senator Dianne Feinstein, mm-hmm. and basically went on NPR. And talked about a little bit of uh, what I would classify as sort of, uh, you know, couch psychoanalysis, psychoanalysis mm-hmm. rather. Um, and, you know, basically added to this narrative or concern, depending on how you look at it, about Senator Feinstein's cognitive ability right now. So right, right. really high level journalist Rebecca Traster. She actually was setting out to write a profile on Diane Feinstein because she's the oldest sitting senator in the U.S., right? So she mm-hmm. wanted to basically have it focus on her long and storied career and blah, blah, blah. But this interview opportunity really turned into an opportunity for this reporter to talk more about the senator's cognitive health, right? So she appeared on NPR, All Things Considered. It's a great show. I used to listen to that show all the time. It's like, so it's so nice to go to sleep too. You ever, you ever hear that, <laughs> Terry Gross? This is fresh air. It's oh, just super, yeah. uh, super sleepy. Anyway, so this particular reporter goes on and has this exchange uh, on NPR and says, and I quote here, that it felt to me, this is the reporter, that Feinstein was disconnected from the very urgent and chilling realities that we are very much in the midst of. So she goes on to explain that she had a number of conversations with her about things like the war and gas prices and inflation, and that Feinstein just seemed kind of, uh, there's a word which is nonplussed. Not a lot of people might know that word, but it just basically means not rattled by mm-hmm. any of these different things. Like kind of aloof kind of thing? Like aloof and a little bit, uh, you know, cheerily optimistic where, where this particular reporter thought that it was disconnected from like the urgency of these issues. And that, that to me is kind of one of, the, one of the issues that I think is really interesting about this story, which is, is 
if Diane Feinstein is just being optimistic and cheery and not stressed out by these things, does that automatically mean that she's cognitively impaired? Well, no, of right? Course not. It yeah, shouldn't. Yeah. It shouldn't be. But um, anyway, so t- so to me, the courage or cringe on this one is the reporter coming out to NPR and issuing her concerns about Feinstein's or suggesting her concerns about Feinstein's cognitive ability or disability in this particular interview. And there's been a lot that's been mm-hmm. talked about her recently, right? right? right. I mean, I'm, I don't know what you've heard. Yeah, I have. No, I, I've definitely heard about a lot about this. Um, not specifically about this interview, but I think part of the question for me when it comes to this, and I would say just, just thinking about this, I would, I would probably put this more in the cringe category for me, right? Because at least in the examples being given as to why she thinks that her cognitive ability has been dropping, there is being disconnected to the urgency of the moment is not, in my mind, an indicator someone's cognitive ability has, has declined. Being overly optimistic about the current situation and the and future situation also is in a, a, a direct tie-in. Let me, because let me, if let you want to, I guess here's where I put it, yeah. because there is how people talk and then what they do. Yeah. If we start actually tracking how much our sitting senators have actually done to address the urgent matters that are hitting our country and have been in our country, then we could probably make an overarching statement that there's a lot of people in the Senate right now that have no fire in the belly, yeah. belly that don't see any urgency against things that are happening. You could look, let's talk about like the things that may be less controversial or less like recent. Climate change. There's been so much talk about climate change for such a long time. And when you look at how much policy actually gets placed and gets handled year over year, I mean yeah, not not a lot. Not enough relative to the you know the sky is falling kind of approach. And maybe part of it that's maybe that's part of the problem, right? We've talked about gun control, although it seems like now we have a little bit of legislation that maybe gets there. But by the time it kind of gets there, it probably be a pretty watered, watered down version of this. Bipartisan too. Once again, yeah, I think like so we're going to talk about that, that one too, which, which is different. Than, I don't see by a lot way, new in that bill. By the way, anyway. which is different than saying that there should be a concern with Diane Feinstein being the the, the oldest sitting senator. I think we have a problem we never have talked about with having like unlimited terms. That, that to me is problematic. And that's an argument that she makes. Let me actually just, because before you, you, you finalize your, your thoughts, I do want to actually quote this reporter, uh-huh. Traster. Okay, here's her quote. This is on NPR. And she says, Nothing Feinstein said suggested a deterioration beyond what would be normal for a person her age but neither did it demonstrate any urgent engagement with the various crises facing the nation. Every question I asked about the radicalization of the GOP, the end of Roe, the failures of Congress, was met with a similar sunny imperviousness, evincing an undiminished belief in institutional power. That's what her quote is. So basically that it was met with this kind of like sunny, blasé, kind of like who cares sort of attitude. Um, that's a quote that she says. And then she goes on to say, the last part that I'll, that I'll say, is she goes on to say that we are run by a gerontocracy, meaning, to your point, right, people that are really, that are old, by a gerontocracy on both the Democratic and Republican sides. The Senate works yeah. by offering increased power to those who've been there the longest. That's mm-hmm. what the reporter says. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted I, to I, add I think that. it's more an indictment to, to uh, our political system and the fact that you do have people that are in these lifelong, for feel like lifelong, basically jobs that the more you're there, the less connected you are to the community you're trying to service. I just, I think it's really hard mm, to do that. No question. What is and the argument against term limits? I don't know. I, I have no idea what, what the argument is. I'm sure someone has a good argument. I can't think of what a good reason would be for that. That, oh, we don't want to get see good people go out. Okay, fine. But at the same time, I think the the harm that you have, you can make the same argument about being president, then have a limited term of president. Why would you want a good president ending your presidency? If you're if you're conservative, you say we should have had Reagan go as long as he possibly could before he croaked over, right? Okay. We had that as recently as the 20th if century. FDR was four terms. Yeah, so you can make some of that argument, I guess. But I still I still think the the risk reward is uh, I think it's too high of a risk versus the reward that you get. And I just think it does definitely speak to the fact that, look, at, an, as, at 89 years old and you've done your job, you've done your part, I think we have to be in a position to be able to bring in new people that can come in and actually be able to have the energy that is required to try to like lead a country. Now, some of her sunny disposition, some of this like not being overly rattled, it's interesting to me when I hear this because it feels like exactly the kind of 
attitude the people of WeChat maybe more of and less of this overly radicalized everything outrage everything is like those guys you know is all their fault and she is a different generation part of it I think Biden kind of struggles with this he came from the generation where things did get done bipartisan that are bipartisan where you were where you were known for being a person that would cross the aisle Right, you think about the new generations of Democrats and Republicans, the younger people—they're not known for their ability to go across the aisle. As a matter of fact, their brand is very anti-other brand. brand. That's right. It's all about the dragging. It's all about the opposite. So here you have a reporter who's like, who obviously strongly believes that we need more of those. But I'm not saying that's the right approach. And putting it as all an age thing, I think there is a generational thing. It doesn't remove the issue that fact that she is 89 years old. I mean, at some point, you have to like let people. Uh, you know, gracefully be able to move on or move uh, like off. But they these, have to. It's roles. not about letting them go. They don't want to go. I they mean, don't want to go. Of the yeah, problem. and that's part of the problem. Yeah. I agree with you. And I think the longer I mean, you're there, at, the longer you connect, the the more the more disconnected you are. Look at the situation right now with Biden. Right, Biden's been in for 50 years. He's saying he's going to run again in 2024. He's the most unpopular. Did he actually say that already? He did. He's confirmed it several times, and it's been confirmed oh, on his God. behalf from the the. Yeah, but don't you think they have to the say that right now to the? Well, I, I don't. I don't know. But okay. at least he, they pressed him and he gave an answer. My point is, um, they asked AOC recently right. did you see this clip no What'd they're like say? they're like would you support and it was i mean just uh, 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 uh. she's like well if he's got a vision we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there and the reporter goes well, that's not a yes and they're like well you it's know no it's not a no <laughs> but but i think it's a question of also these uh, the folks who are in those positions 89 years old strom thurman was in the senate till he was a hundred 100 Dude, years we need, old we need term limits you have on, to decide to leave too it's not just about what people think about we need you senator, we, did, we need term limits on supreme court judges like anything that is lifelong i just think it's a problem mm. interesting well i'm a cringe too uh, on her for those very reasons i actually think that diane feinstein may be going through some cognitive issues based on that's other what, things that's that what I've people are at. saying yeah that's what, uh, yeah, i've have heard that there's as well, evidence from her own staff that like she forgets who their names are forgets what they talked about five minutes ago things like that so i believe those accounts well, she's 89 years old <laughs> she has the right to forget these uh, fucking things I'm like, not saying, like, you I'm, know? <laughs> yeah no i'm not attaching any value judgment to it i'm just saying that i do yeah, believe yeah, yeah, that she yeah, can be yeah, experiencing yeah. it i don't believe that this story though the way that it works out first of all i think it's wrong to like interview her for this like you're a great statesman and then turn around and use that to say Talk wow this lady's, yeah, yeah. this lady's messed you're up you're not angry enough about the thing that I'm angry about. Right. Or, no, I, I, I'm, I'm going to do this piece on all the great things you've done, but because you gave me something better, I'm not going to turn around to NPR and go, oh, I was doing this, but now this is more interesting. Dude, so the whole that's thing That's not the me, first time that happens, though. No, that, no, I, I, I think for all these people that are getting their biographies written, they got to be careful what they say. That's true. Um, so I, I don't like that, and I also don't like the rationale. The rationale to me is, like, really silly, that, like, because... There's no, and she even says there's nothing that like somebody else her age would have said that makes me think she's any w- worse off. But at the same time, she was just too cheery, mm-hmm. too unfluttered by all these different things going on. And that's the reason why she thinks that it, it really showed a kind of divide between maybe somebody who's millennial seeing reality and somebody who's older. Let's assume that Feinstein is 100 percent sane. Yeah. Like she's totally sane. I still think she have an issue with 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 her response. That's my point. That's yeah. my point. Yeah, right? for sure. So for she sure. would say like, "Wait a minute, you're not you're not outraged enough about this. Look at this. Well, like the platform's on fire, and you're not doing anything about right, it." Right. 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 So that's the reason that she says this is probably why she's crazy. Yeah. Or she's senile. Right. right? I exactly. Just, I, but I, I just if you're like fine, like, yeah, I was also there during the Cuba crisis. <laughs> so. <laughs> right. I know what real fire looks like. You know. All right. Way, Number, I, I don't know if she was there, but I'm, I'm looking. The Cuban, based on the age, Cuban I think she, missile crisis. Yeah. That, was, that was 62. Right, so yeah, she would, right? Of course, she would yeah. Been there. yeah, of course. I mean, 2022 <laughs> minus 90. Yeah, uh, she's definitely there. All right, last item: singer Lizzo. You, you know Lizzo, right? She yes. changed the lyrics to one of her songs, a song called "Girls." I think it's G three R's and an L and an S. So, girls. She changed the lyrics to that song after backlash to this song. So she went out on Instagram just earlier this week, and says, it's been brought to my attention that there is a harmful word in my new song, Girls, the singer wrote in a statement. And she goes on to say, let me make one thing clear. I never want to promote derogatory language. As a fat black woman in America, I've had many hateful words used against me, so I understand the power words can have. Mm -hmm. I'm proud to say there's a new version of Girls with a lyric change. Now, the song contained the word spaz, that's what that's what drew the complaints right. because people thought or some people read that as a slur against those who are disabled. 
Um, and so, you know, you had a lot of pros and cons of the Twitterverse. Everything got lit up. Um, mm-hmm. And anyway, she ended her, her uh, string by saying, the result, of me, uh, the result for me in all of this was listening and taking action. As an influential artist, I'm dedicated to being part of the change I've been waiting to see in the world. Mm-hmm. So, courage or cringe, Jesus, Lizzo changing the lyrics of her song after receiving social media backlash for using the word spaz, which I confess I didn't know was in the canon of uh, words you you are uh, not allowed to say. <laughs> Although it's a very it's a word I haven't heard in a very long time. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, no, I, I heard it once in a while. Do you really? Yeah, like people like spaz out. Yeah, I yeah, heard I that. guess spaz yeah, out. Spaz maybe. out. I heard spaz that. Out, yeah. uh, look, courage or cringe for her. I mean, I would say, I'll, look, I, I, in one way I could say courage, sure. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, like you've you've now opened a can of worms. That good luck to you, because I think the problem is that with this, is that it's a case where it just I just think you're gonna have a hard time keeping everyone happy. And you know we've talked about this in the in the past where when there is like clear intent, you know I think people should be very quick to apologize when they made a mistake with a spoken out of turn. Uh, but when you're trying to always be accommodating to every single person, group, et cetera, even on things that may be like really on the fringes that are not as common. I mean, this is not I don't think this is as common knowledge, frankly. I think a lot of people are using this word that while I, I think language change, I think you and I have talked about this. I'm OK when people like say like, oh, there's some things that we used to say that I shouldn't say anymore. That's fine. Like, I don't I, I'm not too hung up with certain certain words, but I do think it puts, it puts her in this specific bucket that now. She has to be breaking about every single thing she ever says because this could be the other thing that someone else has a problem with. And the next thing someone else has a problem with. And there is no consideration at all around around intent in all in any of these conversations. So I give her courage for responding to it. She responded very quickly, and now people she's gonna be seen as the people's champ until the next time she says something that is she doesn't realize, and then she once again has to go through the same routine over and over again. So I think part of it just because of an, 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 a never-ending cycle. Uh, and doing this kind of word, and uh, I wish her lots of luck with that. There's a divergence in the force, my friend, because I'm a hard cringe on this one. Um, but I, mean, I understand what's your what's your cringe on it. I understand what you mean, and by the way, I mean it's her song. She can sure. obviously do whatever she wants. She can yeah, just literally have you know. It reminds me, there's a classical music piece by a composer named John Cage, and the piece is called 4:33, four minutes 33 seconds, mm-hmm. and it's literally four minutes and 33 seconds of a piano player walking up to the piano. Have I told you this before? Uh-huh. Piano player walking up to the piano, sitting down, about to play, nothing happens. And people, after a minute, after like a minute and a half, the guys are sitting there, they start chattering to themselves, start talking like, to each what's other. What's happening? Yeah. And that is the piece. The piece is that, right? So there's no oh, words. I love that. There's no music. There's no words, that. right? So, so, so in a way, she could have gone on there and just repeated the same word uh, for four minutes. It's her song. She can do whatever she wants with it. Let me tell you why I'm cringe on this one. Is the utter to my mind like level of inconsistency here now i don't know her entire catalog right but i did a little bit of digging here oh, all let's, right let's hear this well, you're, you're gonna school me on no i just the lyrics i'm loving this i just want i'm excited no, no but what i want to do is i want to just compare the lyrics with what her tw- uh, her instagram post is uh-huh. she says it's been brought to my attention right that there's a harmful word like it's the first one that's happened, right? right, right, right. Somebody <laughs> brought it to my attention. There's a harmful word. And then she goes on to say, I want to make something very clear. I never want to promote derogatory language. And then you go back and read some of her lyrics. Uh-huh. If, if your benchmark for revising uh-huh. is harmful and derogatory, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got some work to do, Oh, girl. let's hear it. Yeah, yeah. G- give me, give me, a, give I me mean, one. Gotta I give mean, me one. I mean, every, you know, every profanity you can think of, right? Uh, F-bomb, B-word, uh, a lot of N-words constantly. Right. And so... But, and, but, but, in, but uh, well, I'm pausing on that because it depends on how you use it because she could be using it as words of empowerment, not words of, 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 of harm. I think there's... Like, well, what, what is that one song that she... Because the first thing I always think of, of her is like, oh, I took a DNA test and I'm 100%. I think that bitch is... I think that's what, what she says. Exactly. You can say, that is that a harmful word? Sure, it will use a different context, but the way that she's using it, no one's going to be... Uh, I'm guessing offended by that word or going to be calling her out that she needs to change that, change that song. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I've got some of the lyrics up here, um, and I can I can read a couple of examples. But 
I, I just think that there's, and there could be a difference between um, harmful and derogatory. Sure. I think harmful is subject is uh, subjective because right. it depends on a person. It's like, hey, somebody loves being called bitch over and over again. Sure. I guess yeah. I don't know. Sure. I think that's horrible, but maybe they do. Right. But the the idea of something being derogatory to me seems more objective. Like there is a meaning for the word, mm-hmm. and the word just means certain things, right? Yeah. So you know, I find the word the N word objectively derogatory. It, it, it is funny, by the way, that that she says she says bitches twice. Ho, the, the other one is hoes constantly. Bitches, ho, hoes. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. You know, yeah, yeah, N word, yeah. smacking people. Uh, you know, shooter shooting. I mean, there's like all kinds <laughs> of things in here. And this is one this song. This is that, just that caused the the like. Oh yeah, I, I crossed the line. <laughs> look, here's the opening line from her. Here's her uh, opening line from a, a song called "Be Still." I wake up every morning feeling like slapping a N word. Squeeze trigger, stay scheme, and then I realize I'm still dreaming. Uh, right, and then right, it goes right. on to say, uh, you know, uh, yeah, still scream for. I mean, it's just I can't even read it. I could, I could, maybe you can, okay. <laughs> but it, you know, there's a lot. But it is funny though, right? We think about it like, oh, finally, I, I've crossed the line, guys. I said that one word. But that's my point. That offends people. That's my whole. Uh, that's my whole point. But, but do know, you think that's a case where then it's just society simply saying like? Or not like some people saying no. Oh, that's a word that I think. I think how about this? Could part of it be in the case where the word "spaz" has been uh, used in a way incorrectly for such a long time that people have don't even know what the meaning is behind it? That mm-hmm. it is as a yeah, as a derogatory derogatory word for something that you may not even be aware that is there. I suppose some of the lot of words that she's using that. Everyone's aware that she's using, and she uses them anyways. You think, yeah. you think some of some that, of it could that be is, that? Yes, some of it is that. In fact, some of the comments on her original um, when the song came out. Here, I'll just read one. It says, "Hi, Lizzo. My disability, cerebral palsy, is literally classified as spastic diplegia. Your new song makes me pretty angry, plus sad." And then another person tweeted, "Spaz doesn't mean freaked out or crazy. It's an ableist slur. <laughs> she, it's 2022. Do better." Uh, <laughs> I think your original point about you're in a tough spot because you're, yeah, good luck. Because good now luck you to have, you. Good now you, you have, oh, now yeah. you have gone back, right? So yeah. I've got a problem with the N word. I've got a problem with calling for women sure. hoes constantly. I got a problem right. with like oh, yeah, that's. Yeah, sure, sure. I think that's derogatory. What are you gonna I, do about it for me? <laughs> nothing. I can tell you right now. Well, I mean, I, I guess until someone else, like, you get enough of a, of, a, of a movement around that, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's like, oh, you're right. You know what? I'm just going to just take that song off. It's just, it's just not working out. We'll go ahead and do over. I'll tell you what, when I go back, when, when we leave the studio, I'm going to go and listen to a, a whole Lizzo album and, uh, and you know, see what I can, what I I can make of great. it. I think that's great. That'd be good. That'd be a good idea. By the way, one thing we didn't yeah. talk about, and I, I realize we Honorable have not mention. T- talked about it at all, is... The January 6th commission, the, the hearings. Yeah. Uh, what's your, I'm very curious, what's your take on it? I haven't seen them. Have you? Do you care? Yeah, I mean, I care. I want to see what actually happened and like, you know, get all the feedback, but I'm not, it doesn't rise on, for me personally to the level of interest of like sitting and watching a, a four hour, a four day proceeding. It just mm-hmm. doesn't. And frankly, I don't know what would. I don't know what I would watch right, for that right, amount of time. Right, right, right. So have you have you seen? Have you read anything? Listened to anything? Anything even like a recap of like anything associated with the topic? Yeah, I mean, some of, I, I've read some of it. I mean, um, but I mean, I, I can't speak intelligently. The, on the reason the, I'm asking the question the is, the is that I think there is a big chunk of Americans who are like. They're so over that that it almost doesn't matter what gets said. I, that they I, have I, no interest in talking about I it. I think, uh, you know, put me in that camp and some of it may be for bad reasons, but I think people are going and, you know, they're dealing with like real stuff, right? They're going out there and paying $8 a gallon for gas and different things like that. And they're going, you know, January 6th and we're still talking about this and a bunch of people are in jail and like, what are we talking about? So there's some of that. I, I don't think that's, that's a good reason. But that's kind of that. funny, right? Because it, like these are real things. They're like things that actually have a real impact. Not just then, but now. Think, look at all the people that have been now elected that have been very, that have made the entire mission to get, to fix the, the what's wrong with our voting. That is based on a position that a president who was a sore loser couldn't get over and all of the work that was done to try to overturn it and the few good apples that stopped this entire thing of, of actually happening. Georgia. Bunch of them, right? And that and now you have other people that are in the complete opposite camp 
who are still literally saying that we like if it's like we will basically put a new elector, so we're gonna basically be the one that that fixes it. Yeah. Like that's a fundamental problem in our country. I and think it, it is. is. And it's so interesting to me that there's some people that are in that camp. They're like, eh, but I really we're problems because there's the gas. Look, I get the gas is a real problem. I'm not saying it isn't, but when we talk about actually being able to trust your elections, and when you see like the actual level of work that we that people went through to try to overturn something, uh, it's just amazing to me that it's not like. I think it'd make a good documentary. You, you know, you know the the, 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 the comment of like um, that this reporter was saying of Diane Feinstein, like the fact that that everyone is not up in arms saying like, how could we have let this happen in this country? Sure. Is like I find that really like really interesting. Yeah, how much of it have you watched? Uh, the of the actual broadcast, none of it. I've I've read pieces. Like I've listened to. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just I have a hard time watching any of that stuff. It just it's just long and like oh, it's kind of a beating. Yeah, but I do find it super interesting. Yeah. And when you start kind of like uncovering you, the pieces, I'm like, oh man, you, you like know what you, it is? Also, too, really went out of your way. I recognize that all of my uh, kind of news uh, ingestion of content happens as YouTube clips, like it literally mm. does anymore. So maybe it hasn't hit my feed yet, or yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. digestible chunks enough where I can kind of look at those things. But long form, you know, committee hearing content is just not something that I it's gravitate tough. to. Yeah, I, yeah. I just don't. Uh, but. I just do. think about how many people were like into the the Johnny Depp and Amber Amber Heard trial. I mean, even, that was like trending. But even that, it was for me. It was like a no, YouTube yeah, I'm sure for you, yeah. it maybe wasn't. But but like a lot of people cared about that. Yeah. Oh, the whole thing, the, the you know we the whole political a big case for a while. That's the whole po- you know political system was almost entirely overturned because eh. of one guy. Eh, you know, yeah. Yeah, I kind of over that. Let it go. How do you feel about the the actual con- the the coming together of that committee though? How it actually came together? Because from what I understand, I think it's a super sad display of how crappy our political system is right now. I agree with that too. Yeah, yeah. Because the people that were put forward ultimately were not like they, she didn't want to accept two of them. So McCarthy took all of them off. It was like, okay, if you if you want, it was the most political thing there. But the, but the reality is like, you can't really have a true bipartisan effort when you have a bunch of people that are sitting there in the sideline saying as a matter of fact using a trump endorsement as the way to continue their their career their career like if, if at this point you don't you don't at least have some indication like he may have crossed the line at least a couple of times let's say you say it's not enough to go to jail okay fine put that aside but there was a clear intent to try to oh, to change the results. Clear I, I think, I think sore loser is exactly the right way sore to describe loser. it. When, but yeah. you, when you are that kind of personality sure. and you have that level of visibility and your ego is so wrapped up in, in these yeah. things and it's the most devastating blow that could happen to your entire identity that somehow you've lost, that you will do just about anything. There's no question. And there's right. no question to me that he crossed a bunch of lines. There's right. no question. But it just seems but there's to me like a no little bit of question of that, or, or and there's well, some people that, are, that. that are there's s- people that are they're talking about indicting. There's sorry, there's a bunch of stuff about it. Yeah, yeah. that stuff's never gonna happen. Uh, right, we'll see. I'm not as <laughs> pessimistic as you. We'll uh, see. But but there's still like I a large chunk of people that are literally are like, yeah, no, we agree. It was stolen. Yeah, we agree. And, and using it as a not just like we agree, is the platform. Yeah, like, it's become know, a brand. It has. It's, it's a brand. And I was like, that is crazy to yeah. me. Yeah. And, and it's not just that that is crazy. It's how, many, it's how crazy how many people don't care one way or the other. It's yeah. like, eh. You know what also surprised? So I agree with everything you just said. You know what also surprises me, uh-huh. though, is the level of, of unpopularity of, of the current president. Like, I know, he is right? yeah. more unpopular than the person you just described. I, I'm, I'm how is that possible? I don't know. The man. person you just described is literally, you know, like do, an, do an ogre case? of a massive scale. And, this, and Biden is less popular than him. Do you think how much does that say about the way that popularity is now really happening, which is primarily through short clips, social media, through reaction, Maybe, yeah. and actually trying to be more polarizing makes you more popular and unpopular, but both rise as opposed to trying to be right somewhere in but, the middle but, where you're hated but by ma- both. But make no mistake, Trump, from a poll standpoint, was not popular. I'm not saying that he was yeah. popular and Biden isn't. I'm saying Biden is less popular than an unpopular president. The, 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 but that's the point I'm making, Charlie. Right. Because while he was unpopular overall, he was still very popular for his base. He created for being a lot of heat the, with I, the yeah. anti the other side. And I think this is the thing I was telling you. Like part of the problem that Biden has is like he like he has a hard time getting Democrats excited. Right? He doesn't have he doesn't have that fighting of like fuck those guys. He's not. 
But I and, think it's and more, that also has. An I think effect. even if he had that though, Jesus, I don't know that that would solve his problem. Because yeah, maybe I just, not. I just think that it's a vision issue. I think, and I don't mean like eyesight. We probably got problems <laughs> there too. But I just think <laughs> it's like, like you're picking on old people now. You know, have you seen Top Gun? Uh, the new one. No, we didn't talk about this. Did you watch it finally? No, I still haven't. I'm uh, gonna go watch it. But yeah. what I hear repeatedly from everybody, it was like, it's like this is a movie that makes it okay, no matter where you fall in the political spectrum. To kind of feel united and feel patriotic, feel right? American, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have this Common kind of enemy. like this kind of like theme, right? This right. like lifting up of the spirits, right? And that is even if Biden was out there punching everybody and like being you know caustic and crazy, it doesn't do that. He is not that that person who can, like lifts people up and says like, "Hey, man, we can actually do something." But greater. I think if he came out swinging hard. And that was his brand. I do think he would be more popular right now. Mm. I, you're right. He might be more popular right now. You're right. Yeah, he yeah, would be right. more popular right now. Than he is. I don't, I don't know if he'd be more popular than, like, you know, sure, somebody yeah, else yeah, in yeah, history. Yeah. But yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, well, um, good to be here live from downtown LA, our new studio. Yes. Just kidding. For the week. <laughs> but uh, at least we were able to do it in person. Yeah. We're going to change the name of the show. Did I tell you that? We, yeah, I think you told me that. Okay. Should we tell everybody else we're going to do <laughs> that? Am I going to find out later what the name of the show is going to be? <laughs> You know what the name? I'll be of the, the last show one is. to find out. You know what the name of the show is after uh, after a lot of arduous when, when, data. When are we gonna? What are we gonna? Oh, I guess in the, in the next episode. That's entirely up to oh, you. Wow. Yeah, I think we should do the should next we, episode. Pull pull the. So should we reveal the name now and issue the next uh, the the new this name? This new later? one, just do it. Now. No, we should, we gotta start with it. We gotta start. We kind of end the episode talking about the, the, the new name. We use as a cliffhanger. Okay, fine. So you have to tune in to find out. <laughs> tune the next, in, yeah. Next week's episode with a new name. Same time, same. What's it called? Same, same bad channel. Same, remember that. Same Time, the old wow, now you're really dating yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like back in the... That was... Wow. Adam, uh, what was his name? What was that actor's name? Um, the one that, it's the Adam one that, something, right? The one that played uh, Bruce Banner. Oh, not Bruce Banner. Um, what's the, the character? Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Adam West? Adam West. It is, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's go yeah. way old school. Yeah, you know. All right, my friend. Anything else? No, we're good. All right, people. Enjoy your uh, Lizzo lyrics and uh, listen to Fresh Air. Take your... Your DNA test, if you're 100% that. Absolutely. <laughs> and rescue a dog from, not the kennel, rescue a dog from uh, your local shelter local or shelter. Uh, or rescue house. All right. We're out. We'll see you again next time on TDR. If you enjoyed this episode of the Diversity Remix, please remember, first of all, to subscribe and help us to spread the word. Tell your friends, family, co-workers, and give us a five-star review. We're available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your listening fix. And lastly, please remember to stop by blackbrown.us, the creator of this podcast, and take a look at our work and our approach at the intersection of diversity and business. The Diversity Remix is produced by Leo Gomez. The Diversity Remix is a production of Black Brown. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.